And what it is, is we got a loaded last topic here that I got to give the credits to Zach for thinking about because I wasn't even viewing it this way until he broke it down to me. And I'm actually feeling this topic because there's a lot of takes that we, you know, give out on the show over the off season. And sometimes we know right away that I, it wasn't it. And we overreact to a game. It happens. Right. And I like this take because our minds are going to change. Right. And Claire, I know for me, it has for some teams. So Zach, let's break it down right now. Which takes are you buying and selling from the preseason after the first week of action in the NFL? You can start us off. Yeah, well, I agree, man. This was a great topic. I'm really excited about it. And I think it's especially good to do it after week one because, you know, week one is the week of overreactions. If your team loses, if they don't perform well, you're going to panic. You're you're thinking you're going to go 0-17. You're asking what went wrong. Uh, but if your team played well, you're thinking, wow, like maybe we're better than I thought. Maybe we can make a deep run. So I'll start it off. I have a take that from the preseason that I'm buying. I'm putting a lot of stock in. And honestly, I'm saying it first because there aren't many takes I feel better about right now. And I'll keep I, I've said it a lot through the offseason. And uh, yeah, the Cardinals. This team is awful. Cliff Kingsbury has never been a good coach. Yeah, he had a moment last year where they started off hot. They had a huge lead on everyone else in the NFC. They started 7-0, but still they find a way to blow the NFC West the last week of the season. They lose to Seattle, the same Seahawks team that missed the playoffs. When the Rams blew a massive lead at home week 18 to the 49ers, they still won the division, but the Cardinals should have won the division last year. This offseason, you don't need to be an NFL expert to realize things were weird. The Kyler Murray situation became insane. Their star wide receiver was out here thinking it's fast and furious going 180 miles per hour on his way to practice. Um, and now you look at their game against the Chiefs after the game, Cliff Kingsbury's out here saying we need to change our practice habits. We need to be more focused. I mean, is this a high school team or an <laughs> NFL team? Like if it's week one, you're going up against Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs, the team that has hosted the last four AFC title games, a team that has won about 80 games the last four years. And you can't fo get focused, get up and get locked in for that game. And the Cardinals are out here blitzing Mahomes play after play after play. The most Mahomes has ever been blitzed in his career when it's pretty well known at this point where the way to beat Patrick Mahomes is to only rush three and, and back eight and have him be patient. And we know he likes to make the big plays sometimes. And the Cardinals just go completely opposite of that game script. And honestly, the final score, 44-21, it wasn't even that close. J.J. Watt, we know he's a very important part of the Cardinals' leadership, but he's always hurt. I've said it for a while. I'm out on the organization. I'm out on all of their core guys. I'm out on their quarterback. I'm out on their coach. And uh, I wasn't surprised in the least that the game – like, I, I expected the Chiefs to win big, but, I mean, that was just an ass-kicking. Like, the game never felt close. And, uh, yeah, that's one take I'm buying times a million that I'm out on the Arizona Cardinals. It's crazy because there is no leadership on that team and the one guy that you can classify as a leader is always hurt in JJ Watt. So it's like they're a very immature team. Just wait till the next call of duty come out. <laughs> it's going to be even worse. So my sell and my buy is going to connect here. So I might as well just spit both of them out. I'm going to start off with the sell. There's a take that I made. That was a very, very hot take, a very, very bold take. And now after week one, I got to sell it. And that's the Lions will make the playoffs. Ladies and gents, they're not ready. They're just not ready. I still believe in this team and its future. I said before, three to five years, I 
should have stuck to that three to five year span. They're building something there. Very special that is going to be reminiscing of the Golden State Warriors in the NBA. Like they're going to be that good. I'm not sure how dominant. I'm not sure it's going to be as dominant as the Warriors in the NBA. But as far as just winning the division on a consistent basis, I can see this team doing that. Not this year, though. And partly in due to Jared Goff is the reasons why I'm backing out of this. You know, when you look at the game and his career, it's been very inconsistent. Jared Goff is a guy that sometimes can win you a football game, but he's definitely a guy that can lose you a lot of football games. And we all know his limitations. You know, him pushing the ball down the field, him not liking pressure in his face. Claire, the Eagles got a good defense. And when you look at the game, 56.8% of his passes he completed, it's like, all right, a pick six, that was a terrible pass. You need yourself a quarterback to win in this league, and the Lions are going to have to make a decision after the season on whether or not they want to chase that quarterback. My only fear with this Lions team is that they're going to win a lot more games than they're supposed to in order to make that decision of who they want to be their quarterback a little bit easier. And that's my thing. I have them winning eight games. I'm not sure where that's going to put them in a position or if that's going to put them in a position to get their guy. But I do think it's going to put them in position to next year somehow with somebody try to go over the top and make the playoffs. So I'm a year too early. I'm going to sell that take. I'm going to buy the Vikings. I'm going to stay in the division. I'm going to buy the Vikings to win a division. And that's not something that I bought on to earlier. I had the Packers winning the division. But Kevin O'Connell, watching him coach, seeing his vision, I see his vision. It's put up points on the scoreboard because that's ultimately how you win. It's putting up more points than your opponent. In theoretical terms, that's how you win the game. And what he's doing to accomplish that is where we uncover some of the X's and O's. You know, what he's doing with Justin Jefferson, right? He's making Justin Jefferson the Cooper Cup. And the way how he's doing that is motioning him, finding ways to get him open, whether it's lining him up at the slot. And as a cornerback, Jair Alexander had to figure this the hard way. You're going to have to commit to that. Now, Claire... There's no shots at Alexander. I believe it was a coaching thing where they switched different guys to, they had about five guys who guarded Justin Jefferson in that game. And that's just how it's going to have to be. So if you don't have good defenders and you're tripping off this one good quarterback, he's going to have to take on a task on following Justin Jefferson everywhere he goes. And we all know that's the engine that makes this offense hum. And Kirk Cousins is a guy that's not dumb. Like, yeah, he have his, damn it, you Kirk. Damn it, you captain. But I believe this year he's going to be in that MVP discussion. I do believe that this team is firing on all cylinders. And it was a great sign that right out the gate, new philosophy, new system. Defensively, same thing, new philosophy. The defense looked good. So, yeah, I'm going with the Vikings to win a division. That's my sell, the Lions, and that's my buy, the Vikings. Yeah, so with the Vikings, the thing that I found really interesting about that game and really my thing on them going into the season was I think – in general, getting rid of Mike Zimmer was a good thing. They needed a new voice. And uh, it's interesting that they brought in an offensive mind because their offense wasn't really the problem last year. Cousins and Jefferson and Cook, they were scoring points. They just couldn't defend anyone. And on Sunday, watching that game, every time I looked, Aaron Rodgers was just getting peppered and peppered and peppered. It, it was impressive. And if he if he gets that defense going, then, yeah, the Vikings are definitely going to be a factor. I'm curious to see how they do this week because they play in a big game. They have Monday night football at the Eagles this week. And we saw what 
uh, A.J. Brown did to, to the Lions. You mentioned him. And if Kirk Cousins could go into Philadelphia on Monday Night Football, and we know the deal with Kirk Cousins in prime time, that's not the guy you want on your side. So if the Vikings go into Philadelphia and win on Monday night, I'm all in. And their impressive was very uh, their performance was very impressive. Uh, we saw this happen to the Packers last year, getting blown out week one, and eventually they get it turned it around. They get it turned around. I think that will happen. Um, I'm holding serve on the NFC North now. I still think the Packers win it, but it's definitely a 50-50. It, it's, t- it's tough. I can make a case for either side, and uh, I'm very curious to see what the Vikings do in Philadelphia next week on Monday Night Football. Lil, it's funny because you had a couple buy sells in the NFC North. I'll stay in that division. And I'll say this, this is going to be a sell for me. I was pretty down on the Bears going into the season. I thought they'd be among the worst team in worst teams in the league. I wasn't a big fan of uh, the Matt Eberflus hire at coach, just considering they have a young quarterback and he's a defensive guy. And we mentioned it earlier when we were getting into the 49ers, the field was terrible. It didn't stop raining, but both teams played on these surfaces and Matt Eberflus just took it to Kyle Shanahan. It wasn't close in the coaching matchup. And the difference was Justin Fields, he just made a couple really nice plays, had one touchdown to Pettis where he was just uh, scrambling around, made a really nice throw across his body. It was legit. Uh, they started the game down 10 nothing, but then outscored the 49ers 19 to nothing in the second half. And I thought there was a good chance the 49ers would win this game, kind of like the Texans did to the Jags last year in Urban Meyer's first game, or uh, Sam Darnold and the Jets going into Detroit, Matt Patricia's first game as a rookie and beating him, kind of one of those situations where, like, you know immediately that this isn't going to work. And I just thought the vibe wasn't very good around the Bears, but it was a matter of fact the opposite. Like, they're doing the slip and slides after the game. Props to Matt Eberflus on his first career victory. And I'm not completely changing my opinion on the Bears. Like, I'm not saying they're a playoff team. I still don't think they're going to win a ton of games. But all of a sudden, I'm kind of intrigued to watch Justin Fields on Sunday Night Football this week at Lambeau Field go up against the Packers. And historically, these last few games have been ugly every time Rodgers played the Bears. And I say this, like, one of the reasons why I love the NFL and just sports so much is a black and white league. You either win or you lose. And you're going to get judged on that no matter what happens leading up to that point. And Matt Eberflus wins his first game over Kyle Shanahan. The difference in the game was Fields, even though he only completed eight passes, he made them count, made some explosive plays. And I was just really impressed with the vibe and the atmosphere and the whole feeling around the Chicago Bears. I think they're going to be a little bit better than I expected. So I'll sell that take that the Bears are going to be among the worst teams in the league. There's a take that I threw out there that I'm going to continue to buy after this week one. And that is that Saquon Barkley is going to be a 1,500-plus runner of the football and rushing yards, and he's probably going to top his rookie season. Now, I'm going to rewind a little bit before I actually go full throttle with that take. I want to respond to your Bears take. I'm not sure how good the Bears is going to be. I'm still going to hold serve to the fact that they're probably going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL, but I do like what I saw in week one. I like what I saw. With Justin Fields, he struggled in the first half. But the most important thing was the second half where he actually, I believe, went five for seven and he threw a couple touchdowns to win the game. And that's something that I didn't see from the opposing quarterback in Trey Lance. Claire, Justin Fields is going to probably have to do some hero-like things to win a couple more games. And I think he's more than capable of doing that and filling that task out. And Matt Eberflus, it was a good game. And 
You know, um, I have to see more from him as a coach to learn and, and see how he's going to attack situations. Claire, he didn't have to deal with what um Nathaniel Hackett had to deal with and failed at it tremendously, which was a situational, um, you know, situation because, it, you know, the game got blew open a little bit later on in the fourth quarter. I want to see those intangible things a little bit when it arrives. And I'm pretty sure it would arrive because I don't see the Bears blowing out anybody. I see the Bears losing a lot of games in blowout fashion, but I see a couple games where they might sneak up on a team like the 49ers and beat a good team. So in that situation, if the game is close, I would like to see that intangible thing for Matt Eberflus. Other than that, you know, maybe not as bad as I thought, but still bad, if that makes sense. But let me move on to Saquon Barkley here and my prediction of him eclipsing 1,500 yards. I still believe that. And week one has done nothing to offset me from making that prediction. You see, one of the reasons why, and it was evident, why I picked Saquon Barkley to have that bounce back year is because of Brian Dable, who's bringing a very optimistic feel to this Giants team in ways that Robert Salah is not doing so far. And Claire, he's having his battles with the media. Another hot take in between this hot take, he's probably about to be done. Like, Robert Sala is about to be done, and I know that's coming right out the gate. The reason why I say so is because you hear his tone and him going on sports talk shows and press conferences. I'm not worried about what the media said. Yeah, you worry. They got you. The New York media got you. When you start coming from a defensive standpoint with your press conferences, they got to you. And you know how the media get. They'll run you out of town quickly, as quickly as then you came into town. And so I'm worried about the Jets. I'm not going to lie. One team I'm not worried about right now in the future, in the future, is the Giants. And that's because of Coach Brian Dable. And what he's going to do for Saquon Barkley is we all know he likes to spread you out. So by spreading you out, there's going to be a lot of one-on-one situations with Saquon and the, a defender. And we all know he's not a Derrick Henry type of running back where he just plow at you, plow you down, just inside, just rear you down and rear you down till he break you. No, he likes to get out in space and use that explosiveness from side to sideline to kind of, you know, hurl you and, and make some explosive plays. And that's what he did. He had a 30-yard one, 30-plus yard run. He also had, I believe... 100 yards, 100 plus yards on the afternoon, 164 to be exact, and a touchdown. He's going he's going to do his thing and I'm glad to see Saquon Barkley and by the Giants having Saquon Barkley being back and having Brian Dable, those two things are going to make the Giants a very sneaky team in that NFC East, although I think there's some other teams in that division that look pretty good as well. Yeah, I think with uh, Barkley, it was interesting. The Titans were dominating that game early, and he had that one uh, 67-yard run, I believe, that changed the, the whole game, and along with the 31 uh, that you mentioned. But, yeah, he looked really good. And with Barkley, he's one of my favorite college players of all time. He was elite at Penn State. Uh, he has that uh, unique combination of he could truck guys over, but he also has very good speed. And his rookie season in the NFL was great, but unfortunately he's been banged up a couple of times. And uh, it's hard if you're a Giant fan not to be really excited about Brian Dable and his aggressiveness. Uh, Daniel Jones had a couple of nice plays as well. I think they utilized his athleticism pretty well and good for the Giants going into Tennessee and uh, getting a, a big victory. And uh, Barkley, you know, he's playing for a contract too. So he looks dialed in. He looks pretty good. And uh, yeah, I think he's going to have a big year as well. I'll give you another take, Will, that I'm selling. And I'm curious for your opinion on this one. 
I say over and over and over, and I think a lot of other people do, it's the consensus opinion that the Colts are a well-run organization. And I think in theory they are. They have a lot of talented players. They feel organized. There's talent at every position. But something is just always off. I get Frank Reich historically has been bad early. This team hasn't won a week one game in about eight or nine years. But you're playing the Texans as a touchdown favorite, and you're getting your ass kicked early. I like Chris Ballard. All of these players on the team that he's drafted have uh, or picked up on waivers or signed in free agency, there are a ton of pro bowlers. I think I might be out on Frank Reich, but Ballard is the one in charge. She has all the juice. He's making the important decisions. Apparently last year also, Jim Irsay, their owner, we know he wanted Carson Wentz gone, but he apparently also wanted uh, Frank Reich gone, but uh, Chris Ballard had to convince him not to. And Frank sometimes just automatically gets put into the conversation with guys like McVay and Shanahan among like some of the top offensive minds in the league. And right now, like, I just don't know if the guy's any good. I get he was dealt a bad hand with Andrew Luck retiring, but they decided to move on from Carson Wentz, who statistically last year had a really solid season and he looked better than Matt Ryan on Sunday. There's no excuse for the Colts not to win the AFC South. But after we saw what we saw on Sunday, I don't know. But you look at the rest of the division, it's like, do you know if they're that good either? I don't know if I'm out on Frank Reich, but I just have some serious red flags. And it's not because of this one game. Like last year, this team blew their season in the playoffs. You know, their playoffs basically started early. All they had to do was either beat the Raiders or the Jags. They couldn't win either one of those games. And just the way their season Ended last year. You know you have been bad week one, and you're just getting abused by the Texans early. And I know they almost won, but the Colts had 517 yards of offense, but Matt Ryan fumbles a perfect snap. Alec Pierce, their second-round pick at wide receiver, drops a walking touchdown. They miss a field goal. Matt Ryan throws an interception. The Texans only have about 300 yards of offense, and the Colts uh, won the time of possession battle by over nine minutes. Like, how did the Colts lose this game to the Texans? I don't know. And I'm just, I picked the Colts to win the AFC South and I guess I still think they do, but I'm definitely not as confident now. And that's not even based on anything any other team did. It's solely based on their performance and the fact that they really should have lost to the Houston Texans. Yeah. I mean, I'm not high on them as I was too. You know, I picked them like you, it went in division and, you know, I felt confident. But now I don't feel that same way. You know, that division is the worst in football is up for grabs. And for those of y'all people that, you know, want to go bold, take and hot take and pick the Jaguars to win a division. I mean, you're looking pretty solid, even though they lost because they still didn't play for the division. And they're not, you know, everybody lost pretty much. Almost everybody lost. Yeah. Two ties and two losses. Two ties. Two Think ties. About it like this. Losses. I heard it like this. So the AFC South had the commanders and they had um, the Giants. And then they played each other and they still couldn't win a game. It's crazy. <laughs> and uh, NFC East, one could argue, that's not a, a lethal division, even though, you know, we saw what we liked from a couple of those teams. So, you know, but the answer or the response to the Frank Wright thing, you know, I think when it comes to Frank Wright, at some point, we can't keep talking about the cause that was dealt to him. Like, I think it's the same song that we sing. Well, he was dealt a bad hand. Since Andrew Luck, all right, cool. That happened how many years ago? Like, what's going to happen now? And, you know, a lot of the issues, and I'm not sure, maybe it's an ownership thing, but why are they continuing to trade for quarterbacks? I said it before. Three years in a row, trading for a quarterback, losing picks for what? 
I look at Sam Ellinger and maybe I watch a little bit more college football than them. Right. And I don't even watch a lot. I watch a good amount, but not a lot. They, I'm watching more than them because I saw Sam Ellinger in the preseason. Not even this this one. This one, he looked all right to me. But even the one last year, I'm like, he didn't do bad. So it's like you have a, a young quarterback um, and Sam Ellinger, who I thought did some good things, especially this year. Why not roll with the kid? If you have a good team, which he has defensively, offensively, running backs, decent wide receivers, good defense, then you should be able to, you know, ride with the tough times with him and allow him to grow until you're able to perhaps trade for, not even trade, I'm tired of trading, but perhaps try to um just grow with him, right? Like, why are we doing this? For what reason? It's like the Colts are stuck because they're always going to be too good to not bottom out and get their quarterback. But they're going to be in a position where they're going to have to reshuffle quarterbacks every single year. I'm not sure if it's a Carson, uh, Carson Wentz issue before or a Frank Wright issue now. But I just know they stuck. And I don't think Frank Wright is a guy that clearly knows how to fix them being stuck because they've been stuck for the last couple of years. But anyway, um, let me move on to my last sell here. And that is Kansas City. I'm going to sell my prediction of them missing the playoffs. I'm going to sell it away. They impressed me week one. And I think a lot of it has to do with them playing in the preseason. A lot of teams look sloppy. In week one. And I think a lot of that has to do with them not playing the preseason. Everybody's punting the preseason away and, you know, taking on that Sean McVay role of benching starters. And now you have hamstring injuries. A lot of the Broncos hamstring injuries. Broncos looked pretty good last night because of it, right? You know? Yeah, the Broncos, <laughs> you know, they look sloppy because of it. And now the Chiefs, they, you know, they played their starters, Mahomes, and, you know, and they came into the season firing. Look, they look good, man. They put up. A lot of points. Mahomes, five touchdowns, 334 yards with three minutes left in the third quarter. You know, they're going to be fine. They're still dangerous without Tyreek Hill. And that's because of this do it by committee mentality or philosophy they have now where it's Juju Day. It's Mikhail Hardman Day. It's um McKinnon Day. It's Clyde Edwards Hilaire scoring two touchdowns in the game day, right? It's a lot of guys. Travis Kelsey, 151 yards. It's his day every day, but somebody's going to help him out along the way. So they have the pieces to, to um come and make the playoffs. I think they make the playoffs. I'm still going to hold serve with my Chargers pick to win a division because they impressed me as equally because of that defense and what Khalil Mack brought to that team. And they won a game. With their defense, for crying out loud, congratulations. They won a game with their defense, and that's why I'm going to remain served. But I am going to push the Chiefs up, and I do have them making the playoffs. And another part of that equation was how the Raiders look. Derek Carr was sloppy. Normally, with Derek Carr, I could say that he's been careful. He's not a guy that will put the ball in home's way. He did in this game, three interceptions. He was forcing it. I'm still not sure about Josh McDaniels being an overall head coach, right? I know what he could do offensively from a creativity standpoint. I'm not sure about him being a leader. That's still a question. Devontae Adams is Devontae Adams. He's going to do his thing. But, you know, I'm worried because that was Derek Carr's opportunity to show that he is an underrated quarterback, which I still think he is, right? But you didn't do a good job of showing that and shoving that narrative to the ground. That wraps up another episode of In the Huddle. It was a good one. And, of course... I'm looking forward to the next one. Absolutely.